Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Worship. Thank you so much for that. Um, great song selection. But uh, it's good to be here. Good to be here in Bakersfield. Uh, I know, you know, um, I'm from Orange County, from Huntington Beach, and, you know, everyone's like, oh, man, Huntington Beach is great. It's awesome. I actually hate the beach, so, uh, so it's not that great for me. Uh, I think in the number of years that we've lived there, I've probably visited the beach less than five times. My wife is giving me this look like, I wish we can go more, but you won't take me. Uh, and I, I, I won't. <laughs> but, um, but it's good to be here. I, I'm just so glad to, to bring the Word of God with you guys and to worship with you and just thankful for the opportunity to, to always preach the Word of God. And, uh, you know, we were here yesterday. Actually, we came in Friday evening, uh, evening-ish, right? And we want to spend Saturday in Bakersfield kind of it's been the first time I've been here since 30 years. I was here like when I was six or so, 30 years ago. Um, and so uh, we just want to drive around Bakersfield and kind of see the city and see how it's changed and just kind of look around, right? And we're driving back home to our hotel, and I, I turn to my wife and I go, hey, you know, this city, man, it's got to be good to be in the AC business, right? <laughs> like, like, if you're an AC repairman, this has got to be the city to live in. Because I'm thinking in my mind, if my AC broke in my house, I'd want that fixed ASAP, right? Like, you know, you got to have a good repairman to kind of come out and fix that out. I'm like, man, what a, what a great job to have. <laughs> but, uh, but it is hot here, but happy, happy to be here this morning in Bakersfield to bring the word of God to you guys. Well, you know, uh, I was thinking through the message and thinking through as, as Gordon asked me to, to preach and to come guest preach here. And, you know, for guest preachers, yeah, for a lot of us, it's sometimes difficult to choose a passage, right? Um, you know, we want to pick a, a passage that is, yes, relevant for all Christians, but we want it to be specifically relevant to, you know, the congregation that we're preaching to, uh, relevant to the church. And, you know, we're uncertain of the needs, uh, the areas of encouragement or exhortations that need to be heard in the church. And so, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, what, what passage to preach. And, and I, you know, I hear from Gordon. We've had a couple conversations, you know, just about the church and everything. And, um, you know, Gordon tells me that Vanguard is such a loving church. And, you know, at the moment we came through the doors, got a warm welcome and reception. And I can already feel that love and uh, for one another and the passion uh, just for the gospel and for God's word. Uh, and, and, you know, and so I, I hear just great things from Gordon about Vanguard. And I can't help but think about Colossians. Because Paul, in his letter to Colossians, he didn't intimately know the church at Colossae. Um, you know, like I don't intimately know Vanguard. And, but he's heard good reports. He's heard good reports about the church, so much so that he thanks God for the church in verses 3 to 8. Thanking the Father of the love they have towards the saints, which is the same exact report I hear from Gordon that you guys have for each other and for one another and for the community. And although Paul didn't know the Colossian church intimately, and in, he's heard all these reports and everything that he's prayed for them, he's able to pray in verses 9 to 14 for them in a very specific way. And really what we'll see in Paul's prayer in verses 9 to 14 in, in principle can be extended to all Christians. But as I think about Paul and, 
kind of how much he didn't know the Colossian church, but he's heard a good report. I kind of feel myself in the same situation. Heard a good report, don't really know the church, but this prayer is specific enough that we can all hear it. And really, as we go through the prayer and as, as we are encouraged by the word of God and, and the word of God exhorts us, really the main idea that we'll see this morning is simply sanctification. That's, that's really what Paul is going to talk about in this passage is sanctification. And we'll see three aspects of sanctification that, you know, this is really for your thoughts to kind of hang a hook on as we go through the passage so you kind of know where I'm going. But we'll see three things, right? We'll see the roots of sanctification, the fruits of sanctification, and finally the soil of sanctification. So the roots, the fruits, and the soil. Let me go ahead and read for us our passage this morning. This is the Word of God. 1 Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you for this wonderful morning. We thank you for the time of worship. We thank you now that we're able to continue to worship in the hearing of your word. Be with me, Lord. Help me to communicate clearly what you want us all to hear. That, the, that your word may dwell rich, richly in our hearts. That it may convict us, exhort us, encourage us to live all the more for you. That you may receive all the glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So, let's just dive right into it. First up, the roots of sanctification, the roots of sanctification. We'll see, again, let me read just verse 9. This is kind of where we see that. Again, Paul says, and so from the day we've heard, he's talking about the reports that he's heard, and we can see that again from verses 3 to 8. The reports he's heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul in his prayer, he, he's consistently thinking about the church in Colossae. He's consistently praying for them, uplifting them to God the Father. And the specific prayer that he has, again, is may they be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, let's, let's break this verse down a bit, okay, and, and just try to unpack what Paul is praying for here. Uh, notice the first phrase, may be filled. If I can get a little geeky, get a little grammar going on here, right? This idea of may be filled, this, there's a passive idea here. In other words, the Colossians, they themselves are not the one filling themselves with the knowledge of his will, but someone else is filling them. And that someone else is God himself. While each and every one of us may read the Bible, 
study it intently, or hear biblical preachings from other individuals as such as this morning, right? All of that information, all of that knowledge cannot and will not penetrate the mind and heart the way it's supposed to without God's grace. Without the work of the Spirit helping us to receive the truth of Scripture, it will fall on empty minds and empty hearts. And so what Paul is praying for is that God in his love and grace will fill the minds and hearts of the believers in the Colossian church with the knowledge of his will. Now, I've kind of already sort of alluded to this, right? But the the knowledge of his will, it refers to God's truth, right? His desires, his commands for our lives. And for us, we know that God's truth, desires, and commands are all found in the Bible that we hold in our hands. This phrase, right, the, the knowledge of his will, it's, it's not referring to a mysterious will or a plan that God has for your life that we don't know of yet, right, it's all a mystery. It's, it's not referring to that because the reality is we have more than enough for us to kind of figure out, more than enough truth concerning what God wants us to do in this life in the Bibles that we hold in our hands. God, in his great wisdom, has chosen to reveal his truth in word format for us. In fact, as we look at the rest of the prayer, this knowledge of God's will, which will help us live in a manner worthy of the Lord, which we'll see in a little bit, it continually speaks back to what God has already revealed in Scripture. Not some secret mystery that's apart from God's word, but right there for us to read and see. Now notice at the end of verse 9, the, the qualification, this is all given in, right? It says that it is given in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Yes, it is all God's grace that we're able to receive and be filled with the knowledge of God's will with the truths of Scripture. However, however, our attitudes, our disposition, our need, uh, the needs to receive all of what God has for us and to fill our minds and hearts, all of that needs to be done with spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, what Paul is trying to say here, what he makes clear in the following verses, is that as we receive God's truth, it cannot simply be for knowledge. Right? That's what that all spiritual wisdom and understanding is, right? It's, it's the wisdom to take the truth, to understand the truth, and then bring it into our lives, apply it into our lives, right? Truth properly understand, properly uh, realized is meant to be practically lived out. And really, that's the, that's the essence, as we'll see, of Paul's prayer for this church, and he, he wants them to know God's truth, know God's word, and apply it in their lives. In a word, sanctification. Paul wants them to continually grow in knowing God's truth, knowing who he is, knowing deeply the gospel of Jesus Christ, and having all of that affect every moment of their lives, every thought they think, every action they make. Now, what's important 
for us to see as we look at verse 9, as we delved into that a little bit, is that sanctification finds its roots in God's word, right? The roots of sanctification is in the Bible. We cannot know God and we cannot grow in God's grace without the word of God. In other words, we must understand there is no amount of sanctification. No amount of sanctification can occur unless it's rooted in Scripture. No Bible, no sanctification. We cannot discover God's truth and we cannot live God's truth without first finding his truth in the Bible we hold in our hands. You know, um, on Sunday morning, usually what my wife and I will do uh, is we take two cars. I kind of go to church early. Uh, well, kind of have to, right? <laughs> got to be there early, help whatever I got to do, help set up. And she kind of, you know, <laughs> she gets a wonderful job of bringing our three kids to church by herself. Right? And so we take two different cars. And every once in a while, we'll, uh, we'll go out to lunch, you know, after church is done and, um, you know, if we're done talking to people or whatever it may be, we kind of maybe treat ourselves to a lunch. And there's this one Sunday, not too long ago, about uh, maybe a month ago or so, we decided to say, hey, let's get some ramen. Um, we like it. And so we go, we get ramen, we're eating there. And uh, there's a Target right next door. So I say, hey, I'm going to go to Target. Uh, I'm going to look around, maybe grab some stuff. And uh, you can take the kids home because we got two cars, right? So I, I'm, I just head into Target. I, I've maybe taken 20 feet in steps in there and I get a call. I get a call from my wife. I'm like, okay, that's weird, okay? I, I know she loves me, but I just left, all right? So, okay, like, you, you can give me a call. But, so I pick up, and, and she says, hey, the car's not starting. I'm like, oh, no. And now everything bad rushes into my mind. This, this car that she's driving, it's old. It's an older car. Uh, I'm hoping it will last at least 10 more thousand miles, right? And I'm trying to run it to the ground. Uh, but it's falling apart. It's, it's seen better days for sure, okay? And so I'm walking out to the car thinking, okay, this, this is it. I got to buy a new car. I got I to gotta replace this. And I'm thinking, like, how much does a used car cost? And I'm thinking about, okay, do we have enough money saved up? Like, can we, all right, can, how, how much can we afford? And I'm, it's, everything's going through my mind already, right? And so we get to the, I get to the parking lot. I bring the other van over. I was like, hey, maybe it just needs a jump, all right? And so take out the cables, put it in, jump the car. I'm like, all right, turn on the car. Nothing works. I mean, it's dead. There's, there's no ignition. There's no lights. I mean, it's... The keys are turning, nothing's turning on. I'm like, okay, it's not the battery. It's probably the starter or the ignition or something. I'm like, ah, I don't know anything about cars. I'm just naming stuff now, right? I've, I, I don't even know if this makes sense, okay? I'm just naming things. I, it's, it's broken. It can't be fixed. Like, oh, my, you know, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, un, I'm unhappy, okay? I'm unhappy that I might have to buy a new used car, right? <laughs> and so, not a new used car, but used car. Anyway, so you guys know what I mean. Uh, and so we call AAA to get a tow truck. I was like, all right, let me tow this car back to our place. And, I, and so she goes home with the kids. Tow truck comes in about like 34 minutes. And, and for that 30, 40 minutes, I'm sitting in the car and I'm looking up used cars, okay? I'm going, I'm looking at Honda, Toyotas. I'm like, how much is it going to cost? Like, and I'm like, okay, 50, no, 10,000, maybe less than 10,000, you know? I'm, and I'm just looking at everything. And then I'm, I'm opening up our bank, bank statements. And I'm like, okay, well, how much can we kind of, you know, use this month and afford? And I, I'm doing all the math in my mind. I'm looking at all the used cars. And I'm just, I'm just discouraged this whole 30, 40 minutes, okay? The, the AAA guy comes in. He goes, hey, what's wrong with your car? I was like, hey, I tried to jump it. It's not working. I think the car is dead. And they go, well, let me take a look. Opens up the truck, you know, opens up the hood looks at it, Barrett, and he goes, ah, 
well, there's the issue. And then walks and grabs his tool. He's like, well, what issue? And I'm like following him like a little duck, right? I'm like, like, like you, you, give me more information here. Like, what do you, what do you mean? And so he does all this stuff. He's, he's spraying things on the battery. He, um, he unhooks the cable and he goes, this is your problem. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, the cable is too loose. There's no connection. So on the negative side of the battery, like a uh, few, I think a year before something was wrong with the battery, they had to fix it. The, the cable isn't the factory cable anymore. And so they put a new one on. And apparently when they put the new one on, it was a little loose. And over time, like the cable kind of slipped out. I don't even know how to describe it, but it kind of slipped out. And so at that moment, when my wife went to turn on the car, the cable had disconnected enough that there was just no electric current. That's it. So he, tightens it he tightens it in. He goes, give it a go. Car turns on. I'm like, praise Jesus. <laughs> I don't got to get a used car. This is great. This is awesome. I drive home. I'm extremely happy. Now, I'm thinking about that. Right? It, you know, I did all this. Now, it wasn't that much work. It was, you know, 30, 40 minutes. But I did all this. I got all worked up emotionally, uh, you know, and spent 30, 40 minutes looking for a used car. And all because, all because, right, the, the source of the problem, what I thought the source of the problem was all wrong. It was all wrong, right? I thought the car was just dead. And so because of that, I then proceeded to do certain things that lined up with what I thought was wrong with the car. But in reality, it was just a disconnected cable. I just need to tighten it, and I'm good to go. In a very similar fashion, if we don't realize that the things that we do in life, the proper source of what informs us and how to live this life is not found in Scripture, it's not found in the Bible, we're going to end up doing a lot of wrong things. We're going to end up living in ways that we shouldn't be living. Right? We're going to have a disconnect. We're going to make incorrect assumptions potentially terrible decisions. We're ultimately going to be living a life not in step with the Bible, which ultimately means we're living a life not in step with Christ. Right? And so the only way to know how to live rightly, the only way we can sanctify in Christ, grow in Christ's likeness, grow in godliness, is to make sure we have the proper source. It's to ensure that we go back to the scriptures, to the Bible, to inform us in everything that we need to do, everything that we need to think, everything that we need to say in this life. And so, some reflection questions for us to kind of, kind of think through, right? Do we, do we have a proper understanding of the Bible? Do we know our Bibles well enough that when we walk out those doors, we are biblically informed to make biblical decisions? Biblical actions, having a biblical mindset with a biblical attitude. Right? Could you essentially say that you have a solid enough grasp of the Bible to generally know what God wants for your life? To be a bit practical, to be a bit practical, right? I mean, this is probably something we've all heard for all of our lives as Christians, right? Is we just got to be in the Word. <laughs> we got to read it. You know, if you're here this morning and you're not consistently reading the Bible, well, just start. Right? It's okay. It's fine. Don't worry about what happened in the past. Let's just start. Let's start being in the Scriptures. Let's start reading the Bible. You don't have to be, it doesn't have to be some super-duper Bible reading plan where it's like, I got to finish it in one month. No, okay? All right? That's really hard, like really hard, okay? Um, or, you know, just, just pick, maybe start in the Gospels, start in the Gospel of Matthew, and just work your way through. 
Read a few chapters a day or a few chapters every few days or every other day. Whatever it may be, be consistent. Start with consistency. And then over time, obviously, grow that. But start with consistency. Eventually, until you read the Bible, the whole Bible. And then once you're done with the whole Bible, guess what? You get to do it again. Right? You just read it all over again. You keep on letting God's word just fill your heart and mind. If you're already consistently reading the Bible, this is something, this is a normal practice to you. Great. Praise God for that. Now begin to meditate. You know, that's the next step. Now it's not just reading to, to gain that information, but now it's meditation. You know, what principles is God giving me here? What, what principles is God providing in the context of this passage, in the context of this, this story that I read, this narrative that I read, whatever it may be, that's going to apply for not just today, but for the rest of my life. And you begin to meditate, and you work on that, and you consistently work on that. But whatever you do, you take that time to be intentional with Scripture because this is the source for our sanctification. Well, we move to the second aspect. second aspect of sanctification this morning is the fruits of sanctification. The fruits of sanctification. We'll see this in verses 10 to 12. Let me read that again for us. Paul's in his prayer. He goes then, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, again, verse 9 gave us the main idea of the prayer. He wants them to grow. He wants them to sanctify, grow in the knowledge of God's word, and apply it in their lives. And what we see in verse 10 is, is the purpose, really, which is, Honing in on that practical aspect, right? It's that purpose in verses 10 and then verse 11 and 12 really further expand and clarify that practical aspect, specifically clarifying what it means to walk uh, worthy in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so, again, the whole goal of Paul's prayer to the Colossian church is to be filled with the knowledge of God's will and for them to live their lives worthy of the Lord, worthy to be accepted by God. And this is what verse 10 makes absolutely clear. God's will, his truth, his commandments for our life is, again, never meant to be simply knowledge. It must coincide with practice, right? In other words, our lives are meant to be the physical, practical, visible action, proper mentality and attitude of God's will. And again, it's not meant to be some mysterious will or plan that God has for us that we don't know about yet because we don't know about it, but it's God's word revealed. It's God's truth in his word where he clearly states, in fact, clearly states later in chapters 3 and 4 of Colossians how we're supposed to think and act. All this to say, biblical knowledge is important, absolutely important. Knowing and understanding of God's word is of absolute necessity. But if it is not followed up with sincere and genuine application in your life, then the biblical knowledge is empty. It's completely empty. You're actually no better than the Pharisees. Right? It's so empty that your life, according to the way Paul writes his prayer, is not worthy of the Lord. It's not fully pleasing to him. And this idea of the practice of biblical truth in your life is so important. It's so important that Paul actually takes verses, 10 and 12, um, verses 11 and 12 to expand and specifically say, hey, this is what the worthy life looks like. This is how we are fully pleasing to God. 
And we see it broken down in four distinct ways. We'll go through it kind of briefly. don't have that much time to look at all, all of it. It could probably be a sermon in and of itself, but I'm only here this morning, right? So first, first it's, it's bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work. This way of living a worthy life for the Lord speaks to our actions. This is speaking to our actions, what we do. This could be our speech, the words we choose to say and the tone in which we say it in, right? And actions, which refers to the, what we physically do, right? To others, for others, just kind of how we live our life. The essence that Paul is getting at with the bearing fruit in every good work is that in, in everything that we do, speech or action, right, they're in compliance with Scripture. They're in compliance with the Bible. It's faithful to it. In other words, if I can say it differently, our actions bear the fruit of the Spirit, right? All of our actions and our words, whatever they may be, is filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's all there. Okay, that's how we bear fruit in every good work. Second, it's increasing in the knowledge of God. This aspect of a worthy life for the Lord focuses, again, on the understanding of God and our biblical discernment with the world. In order to bear fruit in every good work, it requires a proper knowledge of God. And you can already begin to see, like, just the, the combination of these two that Paul is always combining. Right? The only place we can learn about God and grow in our knowledge of God is Scripture, and as we grow in Scripture, because we're supposed to grow in Scripture, we grow in bearing every good fruit, right? Biblical discernment and biblical knowledge go hand in hand with every good work, bearing good fruit, right? And we're supposed to increase in both of that. And as we increase in one, the other increases. As we increase in the other, the other one increases. And they both go together, right? Third, third, we are being strengthened with all power to be able to endure and have patience with joy in everything in this life. Here, the, for this third aspect, Paul is focusing in on the attitude, right? So he did, the, he, um, he did the actions, he did the mind, and now he focuses on the attitude, right? right? We have to live this God-honoring life with, our, with how we, just our attitudes in our life. And here's the reality, right? Especially so in this past year as we kind of live through this pandemic, right? The, the reality of life is we're all going to go through struggles. We're all going to go through struggles. We're all going to go through difficult circumstances. Some may go through difficulty more often than others, but we all go through it in our own way, in our own context. Right? And one of the ways we honor God, one of the ways we live a worthy life for Christ is that in the midst of these difficult circumstances, we understand we understand that we are strengthened by God's grace to endure it. Right? This strength is according to God's glorious might. It is not a, a, a weakened strength or a little bit of strength, but all of God's strength to endure all circumstances that we may go through. And we are able to do it and endure it with patience and with joy because God has given it to us. In other words... God has given us the strength to have the attitude of joy and endurance as we meet trials of various kind, as James chapter 1 verse 2 says. And we're able to 
then grow in this strength. And what does that mean? That means that as we progress in our life, as we continue to go through circumstances, as we continue to face struggles and difficulties, uh, we understand more and more that God is, has this unlimited well of strength to give us in all these times. And the, the difficulty that we faced 10 years ago, you know, we maybe didn't endure that well, and now we can endure better, and then 10 years from now, we're going to endure even more and more and more because we understand, because we're going in the knowledge of God, that he can give us the strength. He can give us this, this heart and this attitude to have no matter what we see, no matter what we go through. Finally, the last aspect of living a worthy life for the Lord is giving thanks to the Father who has saved us by his grace. And again, Paul continues to focus on the attitude here. Regardless of the situation we are in life, right, whether good or bad, okay, so good or bad, uh, the spirit and attitude of thanksgiving ought to always be in our hearts. And that reason is because we've been saved by God's grace, right? As people who are saved by God's grace through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we know that our lives belong to the Lord. Our lives are hidden with Christ that we will be with Christ one day, that this world, this life is momentary, and that God the Father has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints with light, of saints in light. In other words, everything can be falling apart in this world. Everything can be falling apart. But what will never change is the salvation we have in Christ. And therefore that we can be thankful in other, way, in other words, but also, everything can be going great in life. We can be extremely satisfied, and nothing will be more satisfying than our salvation in Christ. And for that, we can be thankful. So whether good or bad, we can always be thankful for the redemption that we have in Christ. For our sins are forgiven, and we have an inheritance because of the Father. We're meant to grow in this as well. We're meant to grow that every moment of our day, every waking hour, you know, as we progress in life, that we're more and more thankful as we ponder and reflect on the salvation that we have. We're meant to grow in that. We're meant to be more thankful tomorrow than we are today. A year from now, we're even more thankful than we are today because we realize more and more as we grow in the knowledge of God and his word and his truth how thankful we are for the salvation we have. Paul couldn't be more clear in these four distinct ways on how to live a worthy life for the Lord. It's all-consuming. Everything about our lives is meant to be directed towards and honoring to God. Everything about our lives, our actions, our mentality, our attitude is meant to be worthy of the Lord. This is the fruits of sanctification. Right? Knowledge is important. Understanding God's truth is important, but we must bear fruit. Sanctification has always been and always will be a combination of both knowing God's truth and living it out in all aspects of our lives. I have a brother, uh, one older brother, just me and him. And my dad, uh, he loves, he loves to compare me and my brother as apple trees. 
Uh, he likes to call us apple trees all the time, and I'll get to why in a little bit. Right? And, and, you know, the story he gives me every once in a while, and sometimes he doesn't give me the story. Sometimes he'll come into our house and give the story to my wife while I'm standing next to her, knowing that it's about me. All right? But he's telling my wife this story. But the story goes, like, he goes, you know, um, I planted two apple trees, and I loved these apple trees, and I watered these apple trees for 35-plus years. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm turning 37, right, wife? Okay, good. All right, so I'm turning 37. So my brother, I think my brother's 39. Okay, so let's say 30. So he's, I've been watering these trees for 37 years plus. 39 for my brother, right? And, and they've grown, and they're great trees. And, you know, in, in, in his mind, like, and they're successful trees, and, they, and they're just doing great in life. And now, you know, I want to eat some of the apples, right? I want some of the fruit of this apple tree. Now, what he means by that is, you know, he's, he's, he's retired now. And uh, what he means by eating that fruit is he goes, he wants me to, um, you know, pay for his vacations and, and buy all his toys and hobbies that he wants. That, that's exactly what he means by, by eating those apples, you know. And, and you know, Chris is roll around and, and he'll kind of come over and he's like, hey, there's this new drone that's really cool, you know, like, you know, it's not too expensive. Can you and your brother maybe think about that? I'm like, uh, uh, let me talk to my brother, right? And, and his birthday rolls around. He's like, hey, you know, I'm about to go on a trip, you know, like, and so, so he wants, he's like, you know, he wants to eat some of the fruit, right? And, um, and it's, it's just so interesting, you know, and, you know, once in a while he'll come in, he'll be like, hey, where's all my fruit? I don't have no fruit right now. I'm, I'm, I want some apples, <laughs> right? And that's hint for, okay, all right, what do you want, what do you want Dan? Like, let me, let me help you, right? Um, and he, you know, and so in his mind, like, I need to bear fruit for him, right? He's raised me this whole life. Now it's my turn to take care of him. And I do, I do so gladly. I love my dad. I love him. My brother and I want the best for him, right? It's time for him to retire. He's worked very hard to have me and my brother where we are at today, and I'm super thankful for it. Um, so it's our turn. It's our turn to return and bear fruit in that manner, right? In a similar fashion, in a similar fashion, our Father in heaven wants his children to bear fruit, right? Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 10, it, it says this, For we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And this comes right after, uh, you know, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, where, where God says, for by grace you have been saved. Right? It's not of your own doing. It's all God. God saved you, but God created you. You're his workmanship for good works, that you should walk in them. You should live them. You should live his truth. God has created us, saved us, and he wants us to obey his word and live his word in our lives, every day of our lives, until he takes us home or Jesus returns. He wants his children to bear good fruit. And rightly so. And rightly so. And the question again for reflection is are we bearing good fruit? Are we bearing fruit for our Father? Are we living biblical lives that mirror Scripture? Can we say that we are closer with Christ today than when we were six months ago, a year ago, two years ago? Can you say, generally speaking, that your maturity in life, okay, and this is really important, right, that your maturity in life is not attributed 
to simply just growing up. But it's growing up in spiritual maturity, in godliness, right? Because here's the thing, right? Everybody grows up and matures, or most people grow up and mature, right? Most people, right? Uh, most 30-year-olds do not act like when they were 15 years old, right? They, most 30-year-olds have changed, okay? And they've grown and they've matured. But, but that could be done just in a worldly way. That could be done in a secular way. They might have matured, quote-unquote matured, in life, but they can still be struggling with the same sins, still do, doing the same sinful actions, and probably not changed spiritually at all. And so when I speak about sanctification, I am talking about a spiritual maturity, which obviously affects how you live life, right? Because, you know, the more you know God, the more you live for God, okay? But it's a, it's sanctification is a rooted and focus on that spiritual maturity. It's not just simply growing up, but it's a growing up in Christ. Right? Do we have that? It would be nice for me to say at this point, okay, well, here are some practical steps to bear fruit and grow in bearing fruit. I would love to have some practical steps. But the reality is you have to want to obey God. Right? No one can make you obey God. I mean, I guess I could make you physically do things. That's possible. But then you would just be a Pharisee. Right? You have to want to live for God. There are no real, quote-unquote, practical steps that you can make to bear good fruit and honor God other than having the heart's desire and a zealous love for God, a hatred towards sin, and the intentional commitment to worship God with your entire life. That's where it starts. That's where it begins. And then only you can determine that. And so I can only hope then in asking the questions, asking that reflection, right, that, that perhaps your heart's convicted or perhaps the word is convicting you this morning. I can only pray as, as Paul does that God, God will stir in your hearts a desire to live worthy for him. And perhaps many of you already are, right? Perhaps many of you are already just living and loving God and worshiping with everything great praise God. I think that's what Paul is doing here. He's pray I mean, he's praying for it. He's praising God that they love the saints, and he still prays for more. He's not saying that, it's, that they're not doing it. He just wants them to do more of it. So great, do more of it, Vanguard. Continue to love God. Continue to worship him and live him for, in everything that you do. The final aspect we see of sanctification this morning is the soil of sanctification, the soil of sanctification. Last two verses we read here in verse 13 and 14. He says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us uh, to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, the, now this last point is really the simplest of the three. Uh, it, it's going to be pretty quick, actually, pretty brief. Um, but that being said, it's, it's the most crucial. It might be the simplest, but it's the most crucial. Because without this last point, the other two mean absolutely nothing. Right? Paul, after sharing what the fruits of sanctification should look like, he hones in on the idea of God the Father has qualified us to share an inheritance. Right? Essentially, what verses 13 and 14 state is that God, by his loving mercy and grace, has saved us through his son, Jesus Christ, through the Christ's death and resurrection, through whom which we have the forgiveness of sins. Right? It's really the gospel message right there. 
We are no longer in the domain of darkness, enslaved to our sin, rejecting God and his love, but rather those who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are in his son's kingdom. We are children of God, redeemed and forgiven of our sins. Essentially, if you believe in Christ, you are saved. And it's in this moment of your salvation, by God's grace, that the process of sanctification begins. In other words, no one can grow in godliness. No one can bear good works that God is fully pleased with. No one can increase in the knowledge of God. No one can have that God-given strength to endure all circumstances, nor have that God-given peace of joy and thanksgiving without first believing in Jesus Christ without first intimately knowing the gospel and trusting and believing that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Right? You can't have any, anything that Paul's prayed for until you have that. The gospel of Jesus Christ and belief in it is the soil that allows for the roots of sanctification to sprout in and which, the tr- the, which can then grow into a full-fledged tree bearing fruit. That's the proper soil. It has to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has to be us believing, trusting, and committing to it with everything that we have. And all of this makes logical sense, right? How can we even begin to think that we can honor God and be fully pleasing to him without a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Without knowing who truly Christ is and what he's done for us. So important is the gospel and us believing and trusting in it that really the Bible doesn't even mean anything without knowing Jesus. You know, um, right now, uh, the, the house that my wife and I live in, it's, it's actually, uh, it's only about three years old, actually, uh, about three, maybe four, three years old. And uh, how that is, is the city that my dad lives in right now uh, allowed him to basically tear up his backyard and build a house on his backyard, right? So think duplex, but not a shared wall. It's like two houses and they're like 10, uh, about 10 feet apart, okay? And so there's my dad's house in the front, and he's built the second house for actually my wife and I to live in, all right? So he's my next-door neighbor, which is great, except when he wants to go into my house at 11 o'clock at night and talk to me. <laughs> but, 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 but it's great. <laughs> I, love, I love him, all right? Uh, we have a, a keypad that's a lock code, so you don't even need a key, and he knows the code to it. And so I, I, once, when I hear beep, beep, I'm like, oh, he's coming in. <laughs> but, but anyhow, uh, so he's built this house for us. It's great. I love it. And uh, uh, it's an awesome house. And, and we saw it from beginning to end. You know, we saw them like kind of like dig up the soil and do the soil test. And, and we saw them lay the foundation of the cement and then the woods going up and the house and all of that, even to the paint. When, you know, we helped, we picked out the paint because my dad's like, well, it's your house. What paint do you want? Right. And so we got to paint the inside a little bit. And it, it's been great. We saw the whole thing front, you know, from beginning to end. And I remember, the, you know, the day we moved in, what we ended up doing is, uh, you know, we have a driveway, so we don't really need to park the car in the garage. And so we transformed the garage into a playroom for our kids, uh, where they can just kind of like mess everything up and throw everything around. And, and really where I can just kind of put them in so I can kind of get away. <laughs> right? <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Let's be, I'm being honest here. Right? right? So hey, go in the playroom, guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, but, and I remember us moving in and, you know, my wife and I were, were trying to organize this playroom and, and kind of sit in that. And so I get into the garage and um, it's not cement anymore. Like they've kind of laid a, um, 
a flooring on it, right? And so I, I get into the garage and I'm kind of standing there and I'm like, you know, something, something feels off. Like this, this feels kind of weird. You know, and I said to my wife, come in the garage and, and tell me what you think. Is, is something weird? So she comes into the garage and, and, and she feels it too. And, and we look at each other and we go, dude, the, the floor is uneven. Like it's uneven floor. Like there's like dips and, and like it's uneven in certain areas and there's multiple like little dips all over the place. And we're like, the, the floor is not, it's not even. Like we're, we're just dumbfounded why the floor isn't even. And, and we're like, well, we can't do anything about it now, right? The foundation's been set. Everything's, you know, we just got to go. And, and the, the fact that the floor is uneven is, is maddening to me, all right? So, right? Because, well, you know, for example, we, have, we bought like this thousand-piece like wooden domino set for our kids, right? You know, because they like to, you know, we're watching YouTube videos of the elaborate dominoes where you knock it over. And it, it just, like, I mean, I can watch those for days. I'm like staring at it. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. So we, we bought some for our kids to like kind of make in the, in the playroom, right? And I try to put the dominoes down, but they'll fall because the floor is uneven, like, right? like there's little dips and I'm like trying and it's not working. And I'm like, I just, this, 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 it's the floor. I can't, I can't do anything about it. This, this domino set doesn't work and it's maddening to me. And, um, and my sanctification is tested every time. <laughs> and, and so and I'm just like, you know, but there's nothing we can do about it. Foundation's already been set. It's not like you can, I mean, I guess we could undo it, but it'd be a pretty hard process, right? Foundation is important, right? And, and, and so important with a house, it's the same for our life. Right? The foundation to our life, the, the soil, so to speak, right, needs to be the gospel. It needs to be the gospel. It has to start with Jesus Christ. Nothing else works after that, right? If you don't have Jesus, nothing else works. But if you have Jesus, everything works. Everything falls into place. Right? The gospel is the foundation to our faith. And if we mess that up, we mess up everything. Now, obviously, I don't really know everyone's story here, right? Just meeting you guys for the first time. <laughs> but if there's anyone here this morning, if, if, if you don't know Christ, you don't know Jesus, or, or maybe you've been seeking him out, but you've yet to make a commitment to trust and believe in Christ, let me invite you today to simply believe, to trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, to, to trust in his death and resurrection, that in his, in his blood spilled is the forgiveness of sins, that we have redemption to receive eternal life because God in his great and awesome plan has provided us his son, Jesus Christ. Right? And we need that because without him, everything I said this morning, all that strength, all that joy, the way we can live, can't do any of that without Jesus. So let me implore you, if today you have not yet made that commitment, you have not yet believed to trust in him. For those of us who, who do know Christ, who he is our personal Lord and Savior, let this passage, this prayer, be a reminder of our faith, our journey in Christ never ends. It never ends, right? It begins and started with the gospel and our trust in Christ, and it will continue all the days of our lives until Jesus takes us home or he returns, Right? And let this prayer that Paul is praying not only encourage us to live that, but, but be our own prayers, right? Because this is really, truly every Christian's prayer and desire. We ought to be praying for our own sanctification as much as we can, as consistently as we can. Because only God in his grace can help us grow in Christ. It's the Father who fills us, right? 
And so let us pray, leaning on, depending on God to grow us in Christ, which is going to be a never-ending journey all throughout our lives. Let us be reminded that we have been transferred out of the domain of darkness into Christ's kingdom. We have been redeemed and forgiven of our sins. Therefore, let us love God, worship Him, and seek to sanctify in His truth. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.